What's up, everyone? We are here, live and direct, Project Mindset, Episode 7. Thank you, everyone, that's been tuning in, sending positive vibes and insights. It's been amazing to see people take on the principles and create breakthroughs on the spot. At the end of the day, what we're really inspired to deliver here is a conversation that helps you see you're not missing anything. Like my good friend Melody Asani says, stop waiting to be who you already are. If there's one thing I commonly see as a coach is people waiting until they have something to pursue or even write their goals down. Maybe they're waiting to pass a test or you're waiting to reach a certain status at your job or waiting until you have the right partners or the weather is perfect. But the reality is no matter what you have, until you step into being that bigger version of yourself, you're never going to get there. And that change starts today by simply making the choice to be inspired over tired, to be grateful over grumpy, to be confident and dedicated to a specific goal, then intentionally put that goal on paper and committing to the work. Anything is possible. And once that wave of greatness starts to manifest, most people will think it happened overnight because what you don't see is a decade plus of struggle and breakdowns and challenges and hurdles and mountains you had to climb, which is exactly why I am inspired out of my mind to share this story. My dude Chris has been a hustler his whole life. He is a true closer. He's literally been in sales since he was in elementary school. And what was really cool is that we explored a moment that occurs in everyone's life as a kid. That moment where something challenging happens to you and you have the opportunity to make two decisions. Run from the fear or conquer it. You already know which path my dude chose. And it was interesting to see how that decision as a second grader became the exact skill set that he used throughout his whole life. And the number one trait he carries as a successful entrepreneur today. Not only is Chris running an incredible business, but he really puts his team and his family at the forefront of his purpose. I'm done talking. Take a listen, take some notes, and listen closely as you meet the man behind the leverage, Chris No. Check, check, one, two, one, two. We are here, live and direct, project mindset. I am very inspired about this one. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> my dude, Chris No. What up, Chris? How's it going? Thank you for having me on the show, my dude. Yeah. So, uh, man, you have created a game-changing, just now iconic showroom, making noise, making moves all over the world. Thank and, you. Thank and th you. This, this started in 2012. Yeah, fast, huh? Does it feel fast? Uh, I mean, it feels like it's been like an eternity. I've been a sales rep for like, what, 13 years? Wow. 13 years. 13 years. Yeah, I was with the sales rep for 13 years, repping other brands. And uh, me and my business partner, Lee Ramirez, yeah. uh, we started, you know, we started, he was my sales rep. Uh, it was crazy because he was my sales rep back in the day um, in the South, and shit just went south. Like we said, that's it. And then we're like, hey, we can't, we can't make ends meet just repping this one brand, right? You know, um, what brand were you repping at that time? Uh, I was a sales manager at I'm King. Okay, yeah. Um, and shout out to Andy. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah. Um, but it just happens, you know, productions, money issues. You know, we were twenties. 
I was 25 years old at the time. Wow. I was the oldest dude at the office. So were you running the sales team at I Am King? Yes, I was running the sales team at I Am King. Um, and I'm the oldest dude at the office. Everybody else was 22, 23. And you're the old dude at 26? Yeah, I was 25 at that 25, time. 25, wow. I was 25 Crazy. at that time. And I'm the oldest dude at the office. And like... At that time, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. It yeah. was just like a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes. It's interesting because at that time, um, w around that year, what year was that? This was 2007. Yeah. So around that time, Andy reached out to uh, my business partner because I left real estate in 2007 and uh -huh. started a coaching company uh -huh. called Peace Academy. Okay. So uh, my business part partner at the time was Greg Carroll. Oh, yeah, Greg, Greg came over. Yep. was coaching Andy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, small world. Yeah, Greg used to come over and yeah, he coaches and just a bunch of shit. That's tight. Yeah. So here's what I'd like to do. Well, first of all, if we were to really, for the listeners, mm -hmm. elevator pitch, what is the leverage? Uh, the leverage is vertical. So what I say that the leverage is, is we're a one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, we create a brand. We produce a brand. We manufacture it. We design the brand. Uh, fuck, we do the logistics of the brand. And we sell the motherfucker. That's so, it. Yeah, that's it. I have a... Basically, if I wanted to start Project Mindset Clothing, you could help me. 100%. Let's do this. You guys ready? <laughs> 100%. That's what's up. Awesome, man. And that's not... We'll get into it, but that's not how it all how it all started, right? No. Did you know? Did you think that that's what it would ultimately become is a one stop shop, or did you think that it was simply going to be a showroom for other brands? No, what had happened was like when we started, we were just happy that we were representing all these brands. Yeah, it was me and Lee, and we're what just. What brands did you start with? Oh shit! Um, we launched Publish, yeah, Mishka, Rossaclot, Rustic Dime. The seventh letter. Um, wow. Yeah, we had some OG That's brands. Some heat. Yeah, we had That's some heat. heat. So when we launched, we launched in like 2012. We had some heat. Wow. And so, I mean, I mean, our first year, we killed it. Yeah. Like, we killed in commission. And so the previous years before, you know, we're, you know, each of us were making fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Right. And then finally, you know, finally after all these years, we're all making well over six figures yeah. each. And you know, but. It was cool and everything, but what what we learned is that you know motherfuckers ain't loyal. Mm. You know, um, some of these brands they felt some type of way the minute that you get them into stores like uh, Zoomies, Tilly's, PacSun, sure. and then the and then the paychecks get bigger. Right. They feel as if they're entitled. They're like, okay, well, you know, cool. You got us the PO. Your your collect your contract's over. Yeah. Um, why am I paying you X amount of money? I'm just gonna bring this in, get another sales rep to just maintain this and just pay him. Uh, a salary mm. and so fuck for us it was like every single contract that came up we didn't do a bad job we would just make them a lot of fucking money and then they're just thinking okay now, now we can just cut this and take this back wow. and at that time me and my business partner were like fuck we have to look for the next brand right yeah, yeah you know and so it just got repetitive crazy man well we'll dive into some of that mm -hmm. right we'll dive into some of the the the, the breakthroughs and the breakdowns of Oh, yeah. Running a multi-million dollar business. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But before we do that, I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, as people, something happens, right? Something happens between the age of like, three to four, to seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Where there's a situation, and it's usually a negative situation. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you tell yourself something. Yeah. Subconsciously. For sure. That becomes your defense 
mechanism becomes your strong suit that ultimately made you who you are today. Yeah. Do you know what that moment is for you? Oh, uh, 100%. Um, so younger, we moved from one part of Santa Ana to a worse part of Santa Ana. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I still remember, I think I must have been in second grade. I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the the basketball court okay. just playing, you know, some, some big Mexican kid just comes up, just kicks me right in the fucking back, takes the ball. Damn. And I can't do shit about that. Wow. You know, and this is the first time. Second I, grade. Yeah. This is oh, the first time. Sucks. This is the first time I realized that, fuck, I'm going to get picked on. Yeah. You know, I went from a different on. school to this one. And right. I'm like, this isn't all cherries out here. Wow. Not at all. And so that in that moment, you tell yourself, I'm, I'm. I'm going to get picked on, uh-huh. right? What, else, what What do you think is the, the subconscious thing you told yourself that I've got to do this then, right? Make bigger friends. Make bigger friends. So like... Uh, which, which is crazy because if we look through yeah. your Insta now, you got some big friends. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, always... literally. Me, it was just like <laughs> being grown up and being smart. It's like, okay, well, fuck, I'm a small Asian kid. I'm the right. smallest kid in the school. I mean, at that time, there might have been like, 10, 15 Asian kids. The rest of the school is all Hispanic. Right, yeah. Um, and there's a handful of Simone kids. Mm. Simone kids are nice. Yeah. You know, all my all my homies, Tui, Matagi, all yep. of them, they're all Simones, you know? Wow. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to be nice to the Simone kids and hang out with the Simone guys. Yeah. If I hang out I'm with them. with that crew. Yeah, I'm sticking with that crew. If right. I hang out with them, I won't get my ass beat. But So you got one Mexican friend, which is Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and my Mexican friend Lee. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. So that moment, right, you're 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 a second grader mm-hmm. and you tell yourself, I gotta fight. Yep. I gotta make I gotta make some big friends. Yeah. How does that carry through your youth, through your teenage years? Do you see signs of that? Always, always. I think um that just taught me about network. Okay. And so wow. that, that leads that leads that leads you into your adult life too. It's just like your network. Like it's who you know. Crazy. So even from back in the day, I'm a shoe collector. I've been collecting shoes since 16 years old. Yeah. So, you know, you're not getting heat. You're not getting shoes unless you know somebody at the fucking store. Right. So you better have a network of guys that you know. Shout out to Nobu and all the guys at Blends. Yeah. You know? Wow. Uh, and shout out to my, uh, shout out to uh, my Foot Locker plug back yep. in the day. But you know, it goes from there to all the way to like your industry now. So when I got into the sales industry as a sales rep, it's just like uh, the stores you know and your friends you know. You're mm. gonna get connected. Like, like back in the day in the early uh, early 2000s, right? Um, when streetwear was a store would only carry brands for one purpose only. It's just like who you know. Right. So if you're if you're in a West Coast store, you're carrying brands like crooks the hundreds sure um black scale yeah because they're west coast brands yeah right and so those guys like they ran together right and so the east coast stores they carried guys like mishka uh clientele uh reason 10d yep Yep, because those guys ran together and that's how it kind of works it's like you know you clicked up it's interesting though right like these they they say when you when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change i Mm -hmm. use this analogy a lot where they say if you talk to any president mm-hmm. they say more than 50 percent of united states presidents have had a sibling uh-huh. who did serious time oh yeah crazy yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah and if you talk to the sibling who's the president and ask him like man you became the president of the united states one of the things that you commonly hear is while well, you if you knew who my father was you'd understand mm-hmm. why i'm the president yeah and then you go and you meet the sibling who is in prison and they're like hey your 
brother's the president. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. They say, well, man, if if you knew who my father was, you'd understand, uh-huh. right? Like when we change the way we the, the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Instead of really playing a victim role when you got kicked, yeah. which I think happens to some some kids, mm-hmm. you you flip that and said. I got to make bigger friends. Yeah. And that bullying experience became your strong suit mm-hmm. to connect, to build, to, to create relationships. Yeah. And ultimately becomes a thing that carries your career. Oh, 100%. That's crazy. Yeah. That's tight. So through uh, any other situations where you saw like how that basically second grade Chris No mm-hmm. is evident throughout where you're out when you where you are now at 35 years old i mean my career is based off of who i know yeah you know like people people always say like the corny the corny saying your net worth is your net worth yeah you know and so it's true yeah it's true i mean i've been able to land a lot of the big gigs land a lot of these collaborations land a lot of these uh deals with just off of who I knew, mm. you know, I mean, we'll, we'll even touch about it. I mean, you know, me doing the big baller thing, right. You know, yeah. it was, I posted something on social media. It was funny when they dropped the shoe. And then one of, uh, one of my buddies that follows me says, Hey, you know, if I can link you guys together, right. I know them. Um, what do you think? And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. So that's and how, cause you're now creating, designing yeah, we're, their whole brand. Yeah. We're, we're doing their ZO2 collection. Got it. So it's all Zoe stuff. But yeah, we're pretty much the, the back end of the brand. Mm. That's awesome, dude. So I like taking a look at those moments, right? So if we fast forward, you're growing up, connect, collecting sneakers, hustling, making moves, mm-hmm. and you start at I Am King. Was that your first job in the streetwear industry? No, my first job ever was this uh, brand called Franco Shade. Okay. And this was like, I want to say it's like late 2004, early 2005. Yeah. I had just lost my job um, as a real estate agent. Oh, I was shit. a real estate, I was, not a real estate agent, I was a loan officer. Oh, okay, loan officer. Yeah, I was a loan officer, my bad. In I was 04? Lo- yeah. How'd you lose your job doing that? Loan officers were oh, killing my God. it in 04. I mean, dude. Uh, I, I caught the tail end of it. Yeah, I caught the tail end of it. So I mean, we were making. I was making really great, really great money. People were killing it back yeah, then. You know, selling option arms and shit yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, I probably ended up having to short sell some of my friends' homes that you guys did <laughs> loans to. <laughs> you know, and you know, one day just came in and I just they uh, the company just cut everybody. Yeah, um, and I was on unemployment. Wow. And so, my business. Uh, How long were you messing around with loans for? I was there for like eight to ten months. Okay. So it wasn't long. It was just I just graduated college. Where'd you work before that, uh, dude. Before that, I was in college. So, oh fuck, I was I was selling women's shoes, dude. Oh, I was at Aldo. Shit. Oh, no. I was an assistant store manager and I was in the top three in the whole company. Damn. I was top three <laughs> in the whole company at Aldo um, for sales per volume. Wow. Yeah. So my average sale, my my like average was was crazy. Interesting. Yes. So you were a closer. Yeah, I'm a closer. It's one of the things I've been intending for this show. Specifically, mm-hmm. when I thought about project mindset, I'm like, you know what? Who am I inspired to be around? Yeah. Skate skateboarders, mm-hmm. artists, uh, rappers, <laughs> closers. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent closers. Uh, if you didn't have a closer, nothing, none of this is gonna even be here right now. Absolutely not. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Closers are the the heart and soul of every company. You know what? Shout out to my sales team. Come on like, now. <laughs> shout out to my sales team. Shout out to salespeople around yeah. the world. 
So why are you a closer? How did how, were your parents closers? Where do you think that ability? Because not everybody has that ability. What do you think that came from, dude? For I grew up poor as shit. Yeah. Right. So I grew up poor as shit, and so even at a, even at a young age, I always learned about needs and wants. You know what I'm saying? For me, it was like um, there's wants, like shoes are wants. Yeah. You know, clothes are wants. And we grew up so poor, like I would open up like an East Bay magazine and I would just circle all the shit that wow. I wanted. OG you know? vision board. Yeah, just OG That's shit. Tight. Just like Jordans, uh, Vans, just a bunch of shit. And now so, you have siblings? Yes, I have two older brothers. Okay, two right? older brothers, yep. Yeah, so, uh, but they were older. They were out of the house and shit like that too. And for me, it was just like growing up, I was so poor. It was either you were going to jack it or figure right. out how to, you know, make Straight money up. to get it, you know? And even at a young age, dude, I was flipping. I was in in uh, elementary school, buy, buy low, sell high. I wow. was selling packs of noodles. What? Packs of motherfucking noodles <laughs> to make tight. like, uh, to make what 10. Has, what school did you go to? I went to Hazard Elementary. Okay. Right? And so in a box of noodles, I think there's like... 30, uh, 30 bags of noodles, right? And the Mexican kids love that shit. Really? Yes. Would they must... heat it up at school? No, no, no. You don't heat them up. You crack them and you ate them dry. Damn. You know, it's like the dry rub. Yeah. And so, like, a box of noodles, <laughs> a box of noodles, I remember, was fifty uh, okay. was five bucks, right? Wow. And so I would sell each bag for, I would sell each bag for a dollar, right? Damn. And so 30 out of five. Gave my mom How back. How old are you? I'm fucking third grade, fourth grade. That's insane. Third grade, fourth grade. So I'd make, like, 20, 25 bucks. What? You know, and so That's you say, and so I'm buying candy, big sticks, you know, yeah. I'm balling out, yeah. I'm balling oh, out at big sales, it. you know, you're killing yeah, it, I'm killing it. Wow. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. So is that your first hustle that you remember selling stuff was bags and noodles? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where would you buy the, the like cup of noodle box set no, it's on not, your, it's, on your own? Or? No, no. My mom. We go to the supermarket. Did your mom know you were doing this? Yes. That's amazing. So it's not even those cup of noodles. I'm talking about it's the dry ramen bag noodles, the silver mama bag noodles, okay. these like Vietnamese Thai noodles. Yeah. And so she would go and I'd be like, yo, listen, buy me that and I'll give you five bucks oh. once I get this money back. <laughs> mom was in on the hustle. Yeah, mama was, fronting me the, mama was fronting me the five. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, man. Uh-huh. That's really tight. And so that's where you develop the knack to talk to people. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. And the and the thing is, I would make all my money on Fridays because we'd have bake sales on Fridays. Yeah. And I would be like, yo, kids are coming to school with money to buy fucking lemon heads, big sticks, and all the other bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I got these. Got the new ones. <laughs> I got these. Damn, that's yeah. incredible, man. Yeah, it's crazy. When I met my wife, Alana, was in seventh, eighth grade, mm -hmm. and I had all kinds of board sponsors, shoe sponsors you know wheel sponsors for skateboarding and at the end of school every single day i had just like a crew of young kids around me now selling them stickers teachers <laughs> selling stickers for a dollar yeah. old wheels yep that's where i learned it you gotta learn it young and so you got the job then at aldo mm -hmm. and became top sales dude yeah that south coast south coast plaza wow south that's coast plaza man. go from that into lending mm -hmm. from that into Franco Shade. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you learn in your first streetwear clothing role? Dude, it was crazy though, because how it started was um, 
shout out to Joe. He uh, Joe Navron. He was like the first person to give me a job in the industry. Yeah. And it was just me just hanging out. Um, they had just gone to a show previously than that. Didn't do too well. And he was like, Hey, I'm gonna do this trade show. You want to come out and just hang out? Right. And so I remembered. I remembered. I went to the trade show in Vegas. This is when um, Magic was like a four day show. Oh Shit wow. was wild. You yeah. know, everybody's booth is huge. Yeah. LRG Jonas and all those yeah. guys got like decked out booths, chicks, <laughs> alcohol, everything. You know. Those are the days, you got, man. You got models walking the models walking lions and tigers and bears yeah she was wild so anyways i went out there we're at we're at this uh, we're at this like small little booth and he was just like hey if anybody has any questions just you know answer them away and so you know i saw a dude he had a pair of tiffany's nike dunk tiffany's i still remember this like it was yesterday right um nick dropped those in 0405 yeah the buyer had that and i was talking to him outside i was like oh those are dope he had saw me back into the trade show he was like oh this is you you're at this brand i was like yeah and so i was just showing him the line and then he was like this is tight man i want to work with you uh let me write an order and I was like, yo, what? And he was like, yeah, just give me 5, 10, 10, 5 across the board. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is 5? You right. know, Joe's behind me. Joe's like, motherfucker, he wants 5 smalls, <laughs> 10 mediums, you know, across the board. And, I, and he was like, well, here's my CC on file. Um, just when you're ready, go ahead. Ring and it up. Ring it up. And so Joe's like, like, hey, man, this is a $15,000 order. Wow. You, you made... 1500 bucks off of this wow. i was like what are you talking about he's like i'll give you 10 percent. Yeah. i'll give you 10 percent of everything Sick. you write and so dude for the rest of the four days i'm sitting there fucking hustling Killing it. i'm talking to everybody wow. i think i think my first trade show that i wrote i might have wrote that weekend maybe 50 60 thousand dollars in sales so i made five stacks you know five what I'm saying? g's in and four days yeah Sick. and so he was just like hey man you want to help me out and just do some follow-ups and right. so i took all these business cards uh, and I went back to the office. I put up an Excel spreadsheet. Come on now, you know. And I put my little headset on, like a like a loan officer, <laughs> calling out the cold calls. That's amazing. I cold called all these dudes, and man, I think our first season that I wrote with them, I did, I did one hundred twenty, one hundred forty thousand. Damn. You know, so twelve stacks. 12, wow. You know, it was, was that nice. the most amount of money you'd made at that time. I mean, I didn't think I was gonna make no money in fucking yeah. clothing. Wow. You know, in clothing of all things. Yeah, and you're. You just got let go from being a lender. Yeah. So you're like, whatever. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. So you shift from that into I Am King, Mm -hmm. right? How long were you with I Am King? Dude, I was there, uh, I want to say seven, eight years. Mm. Seven, eight years, yeah. What what do you think? What did you learn out of that experience? Oh, man, it was a good experience. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, It was just a lot of young guys at the office uh and everybody was just making a lot of mistakes you know right. um there was like really no structure um everybody was great it was just like we had too many cooks in the kitchen yeah and shit that. just kind of fucking fell apart um i was over i was overseeing the whole sales department um and helping a little bit with other th- other things too but you know then when so you're young right yeah 25? i was tw- i was 25 i was the oldest person in the fucking That's office crazy. andy and polo now they have afters ice cream they're killing it killing you know it. they were 22 23 um it's amazing to see how, and I think about this all the time, how many times when you're in the midst of, of, of a breakdown and something's falling apart, mm-hmm. you have no idea what you're actually going to learn, the strengths, skills, tools that you're going to develop because mm-hmm. of that breakdown and how that's going to move you forward. Yeah. You know, I always try to say it's like, sometimes it feels like you're in the middle of of the storm yeah you know what i mean and you, yep. you literally can't see your way out like you're look i'm looking up at the sky sometimes and come on lord like i could really use a clear sky right <laughs> now like a storm yeah yeah because i can't see 
the harvest that's going to come from it. 100%. 100%. And even with I'm King, like the, uh, the turning point for us when we left was uh, me, my business partner at the time, my business partner now, Lee, uh, he was one, my sales rep there. We booked a, a shitload of money. Mm. We booked a shitload of money. This was this was gonna be the time where we're gonna make all this fucking That's money. It. Yeah, and so we booked this collection. I think we might have booked five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand wow. for one season for I'm King, which is the most we ever fucking booked wow. ever, right? You can ask me how much did we ship? What'd you ship? One hundred sixty k. Yes. So we were counting our money even fucking before yeah. the shit hit. And it wasn't because it wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't Andy's fault. It wasn't Polo's fault. It was just our manufacturing company just didn't produce. Right. And so shit came late. Um, shit didn't come at all. And so at that time, I'm like, fuck, I can't do this. You know, I thought I was making X amount, X amount. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, I go a year, you know, a year without ever getting paid through. I'm getting, you know, fortunate i had side hustles selling random ass bullshit right uh, representing other brands on the side yeah. you know just doing just a do whatever you could do yeah yeah and so at what point did the thought of the leverage come into your mind oh man um this is a crazy story but uh this is a crazy story but you know like clothing companies you work with somebody so much that people become like um brothers yeah. You bicker, you fight. We had a fight at the office, you know? We had a fight at the office, and I got kicked out of the office. Wow. This is a true story. I got kicked out of the office. Fired or just kicked out of the office? I got kicked out of the office, right? Damn. I got kicked out of the office. They're like, yo, you know, you you put hands on da-da-da-da-da-da. Sure. You can't be at the office anymore. Um, wow. So at that time, I'm like, okay, fuck. So I can't be at the office anymore, but I'm still doing their sales. So sure. I had to do it remotely. So that's when, you know, me and Lee are like, hey, let's... Let's start this. Uh, let's start this sales agency yeah. and just represent other brands because we already lost X amount as it is. Yeah, you know. So Lee lined up a couple brands. Did you I stay with I Am King yeah. while the yeah, yeah yeah yeah? So when we started the leverage, we were still representing I Am King, and it was. Why still did you call it the leverage? Oh shit. It was funny. Um, it was funny because we were going through all these dumbass names. Yeah. I think one name was called Double Down. It was stupid. I'm glad you didn't go with that. No, no. Um, I just Poker wrote, theme. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, but, I see it right now. And so I was just writing a bunch of names on a piece of paper, and then I started looking through the source and yeah. what it meant. And, and it said the leverage, to use your power and ability to uh, to get other people to do something. You okay. know? Yeah. So you're using your power as leverage. And Love I was like, it. this is kind of cool. So It's a great word, man. Yeah. So I went with that. Great word. Yeah, shout out to Lee for letting me use that. Yeah, <laughs> Lee. Lee thought of it first. No, no, I thought about uh, thought it, and Lee's not. Lee's like, oh, name whatever the fuck. Let's he like get double a job. down. Yeah, he fucking hated that too. <laughs> Did he have any good ones? No, no, we we didn't have any good ones. I was the only one that was even decent. Wow, that's a good that's a good name. Mm -hmm. So you start off with a good amount of brands. Yeah, right. You start off with some hot brands, mm -hmm. and what shifts for where? Why all of a sudden? Because now you don't, you started off as a sales sales showroom, essentially mm -hmm. selling other brands, and mm -hmm. now you only distribute your brands. Mm -hmm. How many brands now? Uh, six. Six. Mm -hmm. So what what shifted? How did that change come into the business model? I mean, what happened was it was our first taste, right? Um, we were representing these brands, and like I said uh, prior, uh, when the commission, uh, when the contracts up they would bring it in-house and so mm. me and lee would scramble like oh man uh, we need to find the next brand to fill the void for so-and-so so-and-so well, because you made the relationship of course with this store this store of this store every brand that's listening right now they know wow they, they know it's not no. the, the relationships and getting into the doors that they're in now like we put on a lot of these brands yeah you know these brands had zero relationships most of these brand owners they don't talk 
to a fucking account right at all me as the owner of the company i still talk to a lot of these stores and i still go to trade shows and i still shake hands with yeah. a lot of these buyers you know why because you have to yeah you have to you can't just get so big where i'm I'm cool. I'm just going to sit here and not show up and, you know, let everybody handle it. Because when you do that, it just feels like, you know, you're not um, approachable anymore. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So and at that point, um, we were doing this too many times, you know. So how many times did that happen where basically you got somebody off the ground, you opened doors for them. And right when it's about to start cracking, oh, it cracked the contract. Yeah, or it's, it's already it, it, cracking. it's cracking. Yeah, it, it's, it's not cracking. right about cracking. Yeah. Every single time that we did taking away, it's cracking. Wow, it's cracking. I'm talking about, oh, uh, I don't know, too many times, one too many times. Yeah, you know, one too many times. And every sales rep in the industry that's listening right now, they know, you know, and they feel me too. It's yeah. normal. You know, For it's sure. it's normal. I'm not mad now because well, I, yeah, well, what well, you know, at the end of, the, I think that's that's the part of being uh -huh. a business owner. I think that's part of being a sales guy too. Yeah. Is you can't take it personal. You can't. You can't. You know, before yeah. I used to be super angry about it, being a young me, like oh fuck this dude, da 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 da, and I just get it now. You know, right. all the guys that we represented that did it to us, um, I have no ill feelings now. Yeah. It's like I get it. I'm an owner. Ah, you know, it right. happens. You know. Right. But yeah, I mean. So what, what shifted, and uh, how'd you come up with the first brand? I mean, what it was was, uh, at that time, um, at that time, one of my stores wanted to do biker denim jeans, mm. right? Um, and they asked us, they're like, "Hey, should you? We can you get biker denim jeans?" I called Lee, and Lee's like, "Hey, man, yeah, I can do. Yeah, we can do biker denim jeans. Um, I think one of my buddies." Um, one of my buddies has a has a connect in uh, in China. All right. And so you know, at that time, we go to China. We go to China. Uh, Lee uh, Lee and another partner goes to China, and uh, they pretty much take the samples and they produce their first one, and then we come back with like five or six SKUs, and then the rest is history. So did you have the brand? Did you have the name yet, or basically on the fly, you needed to create a oh, denim brand? See, because the thing is, we could have used any name brand at that time. Okay, yeah. You know, we could have used any name brand at the time, but you know, the uh, our other partner at the time, you know, our other partner, he had a brand. You know, he had a brand, so I was like, hey, do you mind us? We just throw this under your brand and just right, yeah, yeah. sell this. And he's like, all right, cool, sick. And so, you know, once that happened, then you know, that, that's how that's how we started working with Embellish. So you started. In, you started the leverage in 2012. When did you officially start your first brand? 2014. That you guys 2014. Uh -huh. And that was it just immediately noticeable, like, damn. Yeah. You know, at that time, the profit, uh, everything. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, as a sales rep, there's no risk because you only get paid off of what you pay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put any money out there, right? When we started Embellish, we, me and Lee, uh, me and Lee, we pretty much invested every single cent that we had yeah into the brand so you know um for us both it was like at the time it wasn't much it was like forty thousand each guy right you know and we flipped that we flipped that three four five times wow you know we flipped it actually more than that yeah, yeah, yeah. more than that you know but um you know what it was was obviously it was a higher risk higher reward yeah you know because when you start your own brand you have to pay for logistics shipping warehousing it's not just like okay well i made a hundred thousand dollars Okay, here's my profit. No, right. you forget that paying a fucking factory is expensive. Mm. Paying your freight forwarder is expensive. Paying a third party to ship your shit was expensive. Right. And so when we got there, we're like, fuck, we're paying, we're paying so and so so much money to ship our shit. 
I could have bought a, I could have gotten a warehouse, uh, hired a sale, hired a warehouse team, hired a logistics dude, and I would have saved money. Yeah, and that's what we it. did. I get it. That's crazy. Now we also talked about something before, which is I think is is valuable. Just man, just in the overall theme, it's like these things happen. We think they're a horrible mm-hmm. situation, but in retrospect, it's actually a situation, a a, a learning curve that makes a huge impact in our future what was the turning point uh, or just simply a major turning point for you as you're getting the leverage going as you're 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 in this transitional period right like what happened was there something now that happened in your adult life that causes a shift for you i think it's getting your mind right you know for me it was i've never talked about this publicly before yeah this is the first time but uh, my wife was pregnant at the time um she was probably eight, nine months pregnant. We're in Hawaii. With the first little one? Yeah, first little one. Yeah. Uh, we're in Hawaii. That's and then Jordan. Jordan. Yes, yeah. Jordan. And so we're in Hawaii. We get a call from our neighbor um, the day that we're leaving. They're like, hey, um, I think your house got robbed. You know Ugh. what I'm saying? And it was my, my stomach just dropped. I'm Damn. like, what the fuck? We're You're literally on the way to the airport, oh, right? Man. And so, you know, we get back and they took everything. They took everything. I mean, we had a safe. Her ring was in there, jewelry, Damn. all that night. It was all there. And you probably missed your flight. Oh no no no! We hit we 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 caught, we hopped on the flight when we came back. Okay. Yeah, when we Got came it. back, we saw everything was gone, yeah. and they took my whole shoe collection. Oh. Yeah, they took my whole shoe collection. How many and, shoes are we talking about here? Oh, uh, dude, the, my, they were at they were at the house for a minute. Let's yeah. just say that they were at the house for a minute. Wow. Yeah. You ever catch them? Yeah. 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 Don't sell your shit on Craigslist. Yeah. Come yeah. on now. Yeah. Can't yeah, be selling yeah. Tiffany's uh, on Craigslist. Idiot, but yeah. Wow, man. So, what'd you get from that? What did you? How did that? In the moment, right? In the moment, what are you telling yourself about that situation? Man, just stop being so open. Mm. You know, I used to have like 20, 30 people, friends all over my house yeah. all the time before for like uh, pre games, drinking, hanging out. We just had a bunch of people coming in and out. Right. And I was so cool about people coming in and out, and I didn't have a guard. You know, and so with that, the minute that happened in my mind, I'm like, oh, this person could have been it. This person could have been it. And I'm honestly, I'm going crazy. And I'm pretty much like, uh, how do you say I'm pretty much looking through all my friends and thinking who might have fucking robbed me, you know? And so I kind of pointed fingers to everybody, you know, and so all my friends that I pointed fingers to my bad. You know, yeah. at the same time, I was a piece of shit, you know? I remember you hit me up. You yeah. thought I did it. <laughs> you know, and at that time, uh, when that happened, you know, we packed up. My wife was scared as shit. Yeah. And she should be. She's pregnant. Uh, we were violated, you know? Damn, house was robbed man. and shit. We got up. We moved. stayed with her parents. Um, we just got out of the place. And what, 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 how did that, you know, how did that shift your mindset in business what did you learn from that experience and how do you think that actually was a positive thing it, it was a great positive because i i cut all the bullshit and it made me um at the time at that time with me and my uh, my uh, me and my business partner lee we're not we weren't that close at the time okay. he was just my business partner we never hung out right like outside of work and shit like that and i think with that it brought us closer because we were vibing we were just throwing ideas off yeah. each other and i cut my circle of all other friends you know before me hanging out with like 20 30 people i cut it to like five ten all yeah. the, all my buddies the hard knock guys you know i'm the hard uh, knock man uh all the hard knock guys i want to say what's up to you guys um but besides them it was lee i hung out with lee and talked to lee all the time so we were just like if you put me and lee into an office right now all we're talking about is 
ideas. Yeah. Like, we'll throw it against the wall. What do you think? It could be from fucking selling cars, selling shoes, selling manufacturing women's bras and underwears, right. whatever. Us two is just like two dudes throwing ideas to each other. What's going to work? And that strengthening of your friendship came mm-hmm. from this mindset of like, man, somebody, somebody, some of these other random people mm-hmm. screwed me over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so. How crazy would it be if Lee ended up being the one who actually jacked you? <laughs> no, we caught him though. We good. <laughs> In the end, you're like 80. He tells you, yo, you guys are like billionaires. I got to tell you something. It was all part of my plan. <laughs> it's a great plan. Yeah, man. When the, uh, what do they say? When the circle gets smaller, the vision gets clearer. Oh, it was super clear. Yeah. It was super clear. So let's talk about where you're at now. You guys started, what kind of numbers were you doing 2012, 13, your first year? What kind of numbers are you guys headed to do this year? I mean, 2012, when we first started, we thought we were balling. You know, yeah. we, did, we made fucking 600K. Ah. You know, we were like, hey, we're doing 600K. Yeah. You know, 2013, I think. Uh, 2013, I think we did the same, right. you know, our first year, our first year of sales, we did, you know, we went, we did about like 800K. Wow. And then from there, you know, when we started all the brands, it just jumped. It, it went, went from, crazy. It went crazy. It went from, it went from, oh God, what did it go? It go like 800 to 10 yeah. to 24 to 30. Wow. So. What year was it for you? You know, look, anybody growing up listening to hip hop in, in in the culture, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about making a meal. Yeah. And we know it's a goal. Uh-huh. That's what I remember Jonas telling me all the time. He's like, man, you got to get to the M Club. No, the M and Club. I was so far from that. I'm like, <laughs> this fool, I'm barely at six figures. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. what was your year? I think 2014. Wow. Yeah, I think 2014. And. It's crazy because 2000, so really that's 12, 13, 14, that's only three years. Because mm-hmm. 2011, we've spoken before, that was a struggle year. Oh, that was a struggle year. Yeah. So that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, <laughs> what was the first thing that you went out and, and did? Oh, man. Did you save or did yeah. you do anything? No. no so I, we don't need to hear the fun, we don't need to hear the smart thing you did we saved your money that's uh-huh. great what's the stupid thing that you did oh the stupidest thing that i did dude i did i do a lot of stupid things man if my wife is listening to this I, <laughs> i'm sorry um man i remembered i remembered um french montana had just come out and i just saw him with this like crazy cuban link yeah and i was like dude i want a cuban link so <laughs> bad and then that was like my first big purchase was like a big cuban link wow right? you got it yeah i got it and then you know and then I got Ferrari, you know, and then the cars started coming. Yeah. But, you know, um, like, what do you do when you're at that age? You're just right. buying, you're buying, you're buying shit like watches, cars, and, you know, whatnot. But we were smart, though. We invested, put the money back in. Um, one thing I can honestly say about me and Lee is that we're not done with our money. Mm. All the money that we've ever invested is all money that, uh, all the money that's invested and ran through the company is our money. We've never right. taken a loan from the bank. Wow. Yeah, we've never taken a loan from the bank. We've never leveraged any of our houses or anything at all, no pun intended. Um, so for us, it was like, instead of the money that we made from X amount, we took that money and started different brands. That's awesome, dude. So that's how we were able to make so much so fast. Yeah. So because of what people don't understand is that we're not making all this money off of one brand. Hell no. How many brands now? We own six brands. Wow. Right? So Tell us about brands. all the brands. Uh, I mean, our biggest brand that we have is honestly this brand called Crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and people don't even know it. The social media, it's like less than 15,000 followers. Wow. But we're in every fucking major department, a major chain store, and we just move volume. Yeah. You know, it's volume. It's just like a price point, uh, price point item that is in every single store, and it gives you that look. At the end of the day, there's that cool guy money that doesn't make any money. You know, um, right. that these high prices, not many, not many stores in the United States carry uh, a high end brand, yeah. you know, but how many middle of the middle of the mall, middle of the middle of America, the South stores are there a gazillion. Right. You know, and so we were aiming towards that. And so, yeah, Chris was that uh, that denim line that was in just everything for us. And then from there, we started a kids brand, House of Junior, which is named. Kids love it. Kids. Thank love you. Um, My kids were. <laughs> genuinely stoked on the gear thank you yeah thank you and with house of junior it's named after my daughter jordan and my son yeah Ryan. that's so tight we started that and that was focused on more of a high-end look we're right in, we're in barney suffrages harvey nichols that's both. awesome man um yeah then what's next uh then we had this brand called lifted anchors yeah uh that we partnered up with a kid named Derek, my business partner one of my business partners great kid yeah um and then we took that brand we took his vision just helped him curate it um pretty much he still has the creative control of it. We just tell him, hey, man, I know you like all this wild shit, but make 80-20. Yeah, know? exactly. 20% of this wild shit, 80% of the shit that can sell. You and know? he's down. He's coachable. He's down. He's, down. he's, a, good awesome. kid. he's a great kid. That's awesome. Um, we also have this brand called Carter Collection, mm. which is more of an urban brand. Okay. Um, that's, uh, that's a fast fashion brand. So, you know, we'll go in pieces that are what's hot right now. Hot right now. Yeah. And so sell right it. now, yeah, sell it. Right now, it's track pants. That's awesome, dude. So, yep. That's tight. So, oh wait, wait, I'm also missing the last red. Uh, never end clothing. So it's on. my first venture in women's. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I partnered up with Natalie Eve. She's a uh, she's famous from the WWE okay. the redhead. Um, and my other partner Janet. And so it was their idea. Me and Lee were like, hey. We're just gonna be the behind the scenes in this. I'm gonna manufacture it. We'll have our sales team sell. You got yeah. your face branding, but yeah. How many people on the squad now? Oh, the whole uh, team. The whole team. I think 50 plus. Wow, 50, 50 plus. people. Yeah, 50 plus. I have a showroom in New York and a showroom in Miami as well. Come on now. Yeah. And we got the new spot coming. Oh yes, we just signed Woo! our we just signed our lease uh, today. Congrats. Thank you. So we'll be on La Brea. Beautiful man, yeah. that's awesome. So you got a 50 person team now. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Number one, what was the craziest moment, whether it's a life scenario, whether it's a moment at work where it was like, damn, I can't believe this happened. Like, awesomeness. Like, did, is this for real? Was it courtside with, I think, Denzel? Was <laughs> it, that pick is crazy, mm -hmm. by the way. Like, what, what was there a specific moment where it was like, holy shit. Oh, I honestly thought like for us, it's just the people that come through. Yeah. Um, and just some of the people that are more receptive, you mm -hmm. know, um, back in the day, selling these brands, some of them aren't hot. Um, people aren't coming to you, you know, just see uh, when we started growing some of these brands and people are genuinely hitting you up celebrities, you know, right. um, celebrities hitting you up like, Hey, I want to get this. And yeah. that, you're talking to like legit people. Then you start seeing your product on the Kardashians, right. you know, you start seeing your stuff on athletes right you know? and then i got you know i got lonzo ball lavar yeah, yeah, yeah. you know at my office that's awesome and then we ink that deal and there's been a lot of like like surreal moments that's tight dude that's really cool so let's talk about the challenges what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that come uh, on 
you know, the day-to-day, whether it's running the team or some of the other things that we've chatted about, I think I'm your, your outlet to reach out to at 10, 30, 11. <laughs> I get the messages. <laughs> I, honestly, it's just uh, how to manage your employees yeah. um, and just building a structure where everyone's happy. Right. Um, we're at the point where I have so many employees. Uh, there's departments that are managed, and I mm. still manage the sales team. Um, and then I just want to make sure everyone's good. You know, right. at, the, at the same time, you want an environment where everyone's happy. That's it. Um, and you want to be able to give all your guys the tools that, so they can succeed. Yeah. Um, I could openly say, like, I know sales agencies and brands that their employees aren't paid well. Mm. You know, I got, I, I can honestly say our dudes are taken care of. Yeah. You know, I can, I can say. Someone in the crew just bought a crib. I saw that. Yeah. Someone in the crew just bought That's a crib. Tight. I mean, I got. I didn't use this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you went to the builder. All right. That's fine. You went to the builder. That's and fine. that's, and that's, that's Derek. That's pretty much our, uh, he's pretty much, uh, the CFO of the company. Derek. When you're thinking of selling it, all right, look me up. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but overall, man, I, like I got sales reps that are making six figures. I got guys, awesome. you know, I got guys that are making, you know, that are driving nice cars. Yeah. You know, they got, you know, they they're stable. They're not living check to check, which right. is the biggest thing. And then these guys are making this money. Um, you know, no college degrees. Um, you're selling t-shirts, hoodies, crazy. jeans. You know, it's, it's crazy. nice. It's nice. It's like, it's like, dude, somebody. It's like you got guys that go to school, degree and everything, and they don't even make thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. I got guys on my squad making that, yeah, making more than that. That's crazy, yeah. man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if there was a certain thing where you're like, you know what, Kev, can you coach me with this? Can you help me out with this scenario? This is a, this is something that just bugs me. Oh. And maybe I can. Maybe I've got the same challenge. I don't know. But can you think of anything where you're like, you know what, Kev? <laughs> You're a coach to some high-level people. Help me out with this. Dude. I think just I just think with just who to trust and who to trust and to bring in your teams because I feel as that where you're at right now, you get a lot of imitation. Yeah. Yes, you get a lot of imitation. Yeah. You're uh, you're in real estate. Like how Bro. many people can just come to you and be like, hey, I want to work with you, and okay, well, I found out what he did. Dip out. We've had that. You know, we've had that. More. Multiple. More people have come in and done that than are here now. Oh yeah, like a conservative. You know, we we're a twenty-three person team now. Yeah, we've had over a hundred people in and out of our mm-hmm. our crew. We were sixty-five deep at one point. Yeah, we're twenty-three strong now. Mm-hmm. So there's been more people that have come in, kind of infiltrated the camp, taken the model, taken the yeah. systems, the structures, the mindset, yep. and are now going to yeah. hopefully. Uh-huh. Have great career, <laughs> careers off of it. You, yeah. you know, how I always tell my staff, too, is this. I don't expect everybody to work with me for the rest of their life. Yeah. But at the same time, I always tell them the same thing. You should leave on good rapport. You know? Come on. Just be honest. Can you, you do know, more just, than send me a text? Yeah, you know? I'm just saying. Right? Because uh, put food on your table. Can you do more than just send you, me a text? You know why? Text? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to get called. Because right. when people, you use the leverage as a reference yeah. when you get a, take a job. Right. You know, people know who we are. We're yeah. a name in the industry. And so, you know, we've, I've, I've had a lot of guys that worked for us, left with great, uh, great uh, references, are doing great things, you know? Yeah. Shout outs to all the guys, you know? Uh, that are that are anywhere like like just at different brands yep. uh different uh, different things but at the same time i'm not i'm not a cock blocker i'm not a hater yeah uh, you know what i'm saying as long as you're honest with me just that's that's just something mm-hmm. between mine and your dm at like 10 30 a few nights a week 
where we get it out of our system. Yes. That's it. Yes, yes. But then you have the ones that, you know, that will come, jack your model. Yes. Jack your model, go yeah. through your whole thing and just try to be you and imitate imitate everything you do. So what do you tell yourself when that happens? I, I Honestly, I laugh. Yeah. You know, I really laugh because at the end of the day, I know there's a difference between them and me. Right. And the equation is me. Yeah. You know, good. the equation is me because they could take my script. They right. could take my work structure and they could try to imitate it. But at the end of the day, it's you can't take my experience. Right. You can't take my knowledge and you can't take my network. And when people are biting so hard, do you ever think to yourself like, damn, if this person were just authentic about it, they would be even better because mm -hmm. they would be able to take what they learn instead of biting. Like mm -hmm. we have people straight up rip off our logo, mm -hmm. straight up. Man, I saw a dude the other day who mirrored my post. <laughs> I did a post of my car, of my hand on my hood, these flyers, the whole caption. Did the exact same thing. Holy shit. The, the, it was insane. And yeah. I thought to myself, like, man, you could really just, like, kind of take that energy, make it your own. You don't have to completely bite it. Mm -hmm. You ever think to yourself, like, they were just a little bit more authentic. It would even be a better situation would be a better product because they're being authentic about it than just straight up biting oh man for me i entertain bullshit yeah and i i enjoy it yeah um i have like a high tolerance for that shit and like so you feed off of it i feel i think it's funny uh, it i honestly think funny. it's funny for me it's just like do you oh, have yeah. any off the top where it was like man are you kidding me mm. like oh a lot a lot you know guys coming in guys coming in just taking your knowledge just taking your taking your account list right and then just going in on them and yeah. just talking about oh you know um i work for so and so and so and so if they're not going to represent you i will you know so i'll tell you what bothers me the most about it and then you t you tell me first though what bothers you the most about that situation because we've rapped about this oh, a yeah. lot uh-huh what bugs you the most oh it's just the fact that you're just so nice and genuine to somebody to open your book yeah. to kind of teach them uh the ropes right and then and then them just going in there like just being uh just being a just being a piece of shit yeah you know just at the end of the day just being a piece of shit just taking your uh just taking your you being just genuine a bad human <laughs> yeah just bad human being yeah that to me it's to me it's the relationship uh -huh. because when when my family to me is everything. Yep. So my inner crew, I treat like family. True. They're in my home. Mm -hmm. If they need to borrow the car, they can borrow a car. If they need to borrow money. Yep. Right. And then when that shifts and they say goodbye, maybe via text, number yep. one, they take all your shit. Yep. And then there's no more relationship. Mm -hmm. It makes you think like, damn. Yeah. They strictly just came in with the jack move. Oh yeah, there's a handful of it's that, crazy. you know, and and even for that, I mean, we I have so many of that, and then so many of them that I still have good relationships with, and those guys I do, you know, you guys know who you guys are. Come on now, you know. But the other thing is, you know, it's karma. Yeah, it's karma. Good things happen to good people, yeah, and yeah. bad things happen to bad people. That's it. Dude. Mm -hmm. Which, that's the part that also bums me out. It's like, man, you're not gonna lose. You're not going to win like this, mm. you know? And I think to myself, this was a big breakthrough for me was when my coach, one of my mentors helped me figure out who I am, Yep. right? And you could take this and, and, and apply it to where you're at is that he helped me figure out that who I am mm -hmm. is, a, is a child of God, first and foremost, <laughs> okay. right? Okay. I'm, a, I'm a child of God. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. Number mm -hmm. two is my purpose is to 
inspire and uplift others. Yep. How? Uh, how I do that is by helping people believe in themselves mm-hmm. and also find their own purpose. So when I realized that, that who I am as a child of God, my purpose is to help others believe in themselves, be inspired, discover their own unique purpose. The question was, well, is that contingent on me making money? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Right? So the the way that helped me was because no matter how much someone's biting, copying, jacking, stealing, mimicking, mm-hmm. as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, which is helping them, mm-hmm. it's all good. <laughs> bite all you want. It looks silly, but bite away. Yeah, I mean at the at the same time they have the recipe, but it's not done. It's not done correctly. No, no, it's bootleg. It's bootleg. What else? Any well, other insights, words of advice to young go getters? Right? I mean, bro, what you've done is pretty awesome. Oh man, I would say to all the young go getters that are out here listening to me, um, take your time. Mm. Take your fucking time. Um, all the guys that I do know now. Um, that are biting are guys that have weren't in the industry for long. They were interesting. You know, they've probably been there for, you know, a week. Trying to weeks. skip it. Trying to skip it. I've been in the industry for 13 years. Come on, dude. I didn't make my first M until a decade later. Yeah, dude. You know, <laughs> and then I didn't even make six figures yeah. until like eight years yep. into the industry. Yeah. You know, but I I sat there. I grinded. I stayed behind somebody. I learned. And I waited until it was my turn. Um, and it was my company to make the right moves, you know, so good. I watched I was loyal to all the guys I worked with and I knew that it was gonna come back every single person that I worked for I'm King Franco shade. I still have a relationship with those guys go. and I still tell them all the time I appreciate you guys for kind of putting me on so that that young in trying mm-hmm. to rush trying to get the, the Lambo like Chris has the Lambo <laughs> right now. What's your advice to them? Like I said, that advice is just pay attention, listen. Um, just because you have hella followers on social media doesn't mean shit. Yeah. You know, there's a girl out there right now, and there's a guy out there right now with 100,000 fucking followers that right. sleeps on a mattress on the floor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, there real. is. You it's know? probably super inspiring. Yeah. On Instagram. <laughs> it, it's super inspiring. There's a dude out there right now that's driving a fucking BMW that's 10 years old, and he's he's yelling, he's in a foreign. That, the bitch ain't a foreign. It's yeah. on a, it's a fucking legalized citizen now. <laughs> you know? Oh man, that's good. And you know, I think when when you get that, you work hard. You make an M. Uh-huh. You get a Lambo. Whatever. You're gonna you're gonna realize, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. And if you ran over everybody on the way to get there you're missing out Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the core things that i'm inspired of enrolling people to remember is like yo like get into the work yep the car the check the house it's when you get there you're literally going to be looking around after the 30 day high wears off after the house after whatever you're looking around saying like this is it yeah. So what's left? Well, what's left is your relationships. Mm-hmm. So kids, what we're saying here is value your relationships. Oh, don't burn bridges. Come on. Don't burn bridges. At the end of the day, you never know where anybody goes. Yeah. Like for me, I can go back to the whole networking thing. Um, every single person I used to work with, every buyer, I knew that, hey, their profession is buying. Right. Right. 
um, whether they're buying from the small boutique or a major boutique, you never know where they're going to be. So I was always nice to every single buyer that I knew because eventually that guy might be the buyer for fucking Foot Locker, might yeah. be the buyer for Zoomies, might be the buyer for Urban Outfitters. And you know what? Most of those guys did. And yeah. that's the reason why I'm here, because I kept relationships with all these guys. Awesome. And, you know, they're uh, and they're they have heavy pins. Yeah. You know. Would you say that the foundation of the leverage mm -hmm. is, if you had to say it's more of your relationships or more of the product, which one would it be? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. You know what? I'm going to be egotistic and say my relationships. Yeah. But for I real, don't think it's egotistical at all. Yeah. What's harder to create? True. True. How many people out there actually have you know a what? great product? You know what? I'm gonna take that back. Yes, it is the it, it is the relationships because you know what I sold some shitty a shitty yeah. product before. Well, we know some uh -huh. people who have a great product. Yep. But they're missing something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anybody can have a great product, mm -hmm. but to have great relationships, you can't fake that. You can't fake you that. Can you can fake it for a little bit. No, you can't. Maybe fake, you can't fake it at all. Yeah. You can't you fake, fake it, it on Instagram. Oh, people fake it on Instagram all day. Man, I wish me and you could just like openly call out like ten people right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for ten thirty via DM. I know, right? Awesome, man. Well, I'm super proud of you, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, any final words? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to make sure people keep an eye out for? Oh man, uh, the only thing I want to say is that we got the lease. Uh, we're opening up in La Brea. So we're finally move, making the move to LA. You got a grand opening date? Uh, not yet. It probably sometime in May, but uh, it's gonna be carrying all the brands from the showroom. Sick. I, we, uh, we haven't finalized the name, but we've been throwing around the Leverage Studios. Love it. Yeah, um, and other than that, I just want to thank my wife, my kids, my family, my friends, Hard Knock, uh, and all the guys at the Leverage for you know um, really believing in my craziness. Yeah. Because every single day I come in with a new idea. Yeah. Or I'll say some like left field ass shit, and you know these guys support me on that. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah. Whether it's clothing uh -huh. or a new hairstyle, <laughs> right? That's what's up. Or a crazy new whip. <laughs> yeah. That's dope, man. Yep. Well, dude, I think that's about it. Keep an eye out for the store. Uh huh. And uh, keep it moving, man. Thank you We're so watching. much. I love, I loved it. Every second of Project Mindset. Yeah. yeah. Let me borrow the whip. <laughs> Take it. We're out of here, guys. Peace. Peace.